Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, we are... We've got some news today, and I feel like you in it. Yeah, okay. You you are going to be the person. It's not going to be the first story, but one of the stories we get to uh, later will be something that I think we're going to pull a lot on your um, your expertise with. So um, I'm looking forward to diving into some of your background. You know what it is. We've already talked about it via text. Um, Correct. Yeah, so we'll get into that, but I did want to let everybody know, coming up in the podcast feed later today on Wednesday will be my interview with Olivia Holt, uh, who is currently starring as Roxy Hart in Chicago on Broadway. Also on Wednesday is the opening night of Peter Pan Goes Wrong, so we will have those uh, reviews, the review recap episode in Patreon on Wednesday evening after you hear Thursday's episode of today on Broadway. So lots of stuff going on on Patreon. So to get all of that, head over to patreon.com slash broadway radio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. But the story that I want your specific insight, I mean, I want I want your insight on everything, but the one where your oh, expertise you. will come in handy will be here <laughs> in a second. The one that is specifically for me is being uh, the one that, that will lead off the show today. And that is that the official Waitress the Musical social media handle sent out some information on Tuesday. And that is the pro tape of the of the Broadway return production will have its world premiere at the Tribeca yes, Film Festival from June 17th through the 18th with tickets going on sale on May 2nd, coming up in just a few weeks. If you forget, in the cast for that run was the show's composer, Sarah Bareilles. It also featured original cast members uh, Eric Anderson, Christopher Fitzgerald, Dakin Matthews, and Drew Galing. Joining the cast were actually longtime folks that were associated with the show, Charity Angel Dawson as Becky, Caitlin Houlihan as Dawn. Both of those actresses came in just for a few months to reopen the show before they went and did uh, – Charity Angel Dawson did, I believe, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Caitlin Houlihan did uh, Girl from the North Country. And then Joe Tippett, who originated the role of Earl at Cambridge at the American Repertory Theater, returned to do the the, the role in this return production. He is also – uh, Sarah Bareilles' longtime partner. So this is very exciting. I am I am just giddy with the fact that I'm going to be able to watch this at some point in this very near future on a, probably a streaming service whenever I want. I have not heard what or if any streaming services are involved with this, although often at these film festivals, actually, as you know, this is where they get bought up. They see them. Somebody buys the distribution. I'm very excited about that. And uh, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, what comes of this after the Tribeca Film Festival happens here in a, co- in a couple months. Yeah, I'm really excited about this, finally. We obviously knew that there was a pro tape happening. We just kind of didn't know when we were going to get to see it. Um, and to have it be part of a film festival is obviously really really exciting. Um, it's one of a few things I know that's theater adjacent that are going to be part of Tribeca because Taylor Mac has a documentary based on Judy's 24-hour um, song cycle that they mm. did a while ago, too. Um, but obviously, we're all massive waitress fans here. So finally getting to see some pro tape. And then, you know, after Tribeca getting to, I assume it will be on some form of streaming service. I don't know. Yeah. 
what would be the best fit for it. Because I assume it won't just go to Broadway HD if it's getting a festival release like this. Like, it will be a proper Amazon or Netflix or whatever. But I, I don't know if there's already some kind of deal in place for that or not. I don't believe there is. And what I did was I went back and looked at to see if there was a film company involved in the uh on like the production side because i believe it was a 20th century searchlight film um mm. but none of those companies were involved in the the show like wicked was always going to be a universal production because universal owned the rights and was a producer on the broadway show that is not because it was a fox searchlight pictures uh that distributed the right, film but they yeah. were not involved in in the in the Broadway show at all, so I don't know. It, it could be interesting. Obviously, um, you know, Netflix could want it because they have they now have the rights to Girls Five of Us, and maybe they want to do the Sarah Bareilles connection side of that. Oh, that's um, very possible. But yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, that's a little thin, but that's the only thing that I could do. Or it could just go to the open market. I mean, I, I don't think that this is something necessarily that would make sense for like a Disney Plus. Uh, for, for no, obvious reasons, I but I think so. Netflix, Netflix, um, like you said, Prime Video, um, even Paramount Plus or Peacock would be good with that. Obviously, Girls Five have started on Peacock, so maybe there is there is some appetite for that there. But definitely feels like with Netflix's engagement in movie musicals, whether it is uh, you know Matilda or or they have the Shrek the musical and and they had Tick Tick Boom that might feel like the natural fit there. So I I, I haven't heard anything and obviously that's this is my day job is is I know, streaming services. I feel so I like heard uh, someone should know some information here, but I'll ask. <laughs> well, I don't think. That, but <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying yeah. is like I, I just don't think there is any information. I think it is just they're Still waiting to see it Absolutely. at Tribeca and that's where it'll get sold and purchased and and all the distribution rights will come yep. from there. All right, moving on to something that is also very exciting. Um, yesterday, we got details about the upcoming world premiere pre-Broadway tryout for a new musical called Ali, which we had previously discussed in the past. This is a bio musical, not about a, an actual musical actor, performer, or group, but instead about the iconic, not only boxer, but also social uh, rights or uh, um, civil rights activist Muhammad Ali. The show will actually originate in his birthplace, his hometown of Louisville, Kentucky, uh, beginning in the fall of 2024. It'll take place at the Kentucky Center for the Performing Arts for a three or four week run. An open opening date hasn't been set, but it'll likely happen in October or November of next year. And then presumably, hopefully, if all things go well, come to Broadway in the spring of 2025. Um, the show was originally announced in September of last year, and the director and book writer will be Clint Dyer, who uh, is an acclaimed London director, and he's one of the deputy artistic directors of the National Theatre in London. The composer will be Teddy Abrams, who is the music director and conductor of the Louisville Orchestra. He's one of the youngest conductors of a major orchestra Amazing. in the United Love States. That. Yeah. Love it. They've also added a number of other folks to the creative team. Many of these are names that you will have heard of uh, before. In fact, one of them is a former guest here on Broadway Radio, Anna Fleischel, who I talked to was a Tony nominee for the set of Hangman. She will be doing the set um, for the show. Uh, Emilio Sosa will be doing the costume design. Mm. Lighting design will be by Jen Schriever. Tal Yarden, who 
was one of the best who did the video and projection and media design for Network and Sunday in the Park with George on mm-hmm. Broadway. We'll be doing the same there. Choreography, both dancing and fight choreography, will be done by Rich and Tone, who did MJ the musical, mm-hmm. the 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 more um, hip hop and and you know pop music dancing uh, in that show. So very excited about that. And the stuff. thing that I'm actually really really pumped for is the associate director is one of my all time favorite performers, Asmaret Geber Michelle, who absolutely. is she's just fan- so good. she's fantastic in everything she ever does, and she's the associate director for the show, which makes me very very excited. Not only for it, but also even more for kind of the uh, evolution of her career. So Definitely. I'm a huge Muhammad Ali fan. I have a picture here in my office of his very famous uh, pose standing over Joe Frazier at the Rumble in the Jungle. Yes, please. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. I have no idea what a Muhammad Ali bio musical will sound like, but that's kind of exciting. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, his, to, to seeing and hearing it. All right. Now, Ashley, we're going to get to the story that I want your specific insight on. Okay. And I feel like I know what this uh-huh. is, but I'm not 100% sure. sure. But yesterday, 54 Below, one of the, you know, the most important cabaret venues in the theater scene, uh, at least in the past decade or so, announced that it is being converted from a commercial venue to a non-profit venue. It is shifting to a 501c3 yeah. after more than a decade of operation. It will look to get up to 20 to 40% of its revenue from sponsorships and from donations and, and contributions of that sort. Um, we've talked a number of times in the past about how I don't know. It's just like the, 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 the luster of 54 below has changed quite a bit coming out of the pandemic and where you used to be able to see really incredible acts for reasonable prices. That is is no longer the the case. case. I don't even know if (laughs) before the pandemic, I would say that they were reasonable prices. And that's coming as someone who went a lot pre pandemic. Yeah. Well, I mean, reasonable is obviously relative, but like you used to be able to see. Yeah, you used to be able to see someone like Patty Lapone, um, or Laura Benanti, or any of the other big name people for like the same price that you could see any other show. Was is I guess what yeah. I mean. But now with the bigger name, their Diamond series, they're charging three, yep. four hundred dollars uh, a ticket, and and the big names aren't just doing random shows anymore. They aren't just popping in for like a, a you know a one night two show thing where they're doing something silly. It's a lot of young performers, which is awesome. I still go to a lot of them when I'm in town. That's not a bad thing, but it is, it's a very different vibe there. And I do wonder if this will change that at all. I don't know. Yeah. But I think what this really is, is, and we've all heard a lot of this in the industry is that it was struggling like 54 below's existence was very much in doubt coming out of the and pandemic. And we've talked about the dropping of the Feinstein label and everything, mm-hmm. or Michael leaving. So I have to imagine that this is, I don't want to say a, a lifeline or a Hail Mary. Sure. But I have to imagine that in some way this has to do with the fact that like, Otherwise, remaining as a commercial venue where it is in, in, in the theater district, Definitely. like that rent ain't cheap. So I have to imagine that this is just kind of like, 
this is our one shot. If we're going to succeed, it has to be this way because nothing else is actually going to work. And they even note that essentially in the press release, not in so many words, because that would be incredibly uh, professionally unwise. But yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they even do say it's part of the hope that they can launch new initiatives and ensure sustainability for the club. It is an expensive venue. It is very difficult to uh program that venue because I like most cabaret venues in New York and everywhere the onus is on the performer to get their tickets sold and to promote and if you're not Patty Lapone that is obviously not an easy feat nor is it necessarily bringing mm. in the money that they need to pay their rent it's a difficult situation I don't you know this has to be a majority uh, that sustainability and trying to keep it afloat because of all those reasons, because it's become so expensive, even more so than it used to be, and it's always been expensive. Um, I'm just really curious to see how it is going to change the programming, because like you said, there's plenty of like new emerging artists, and they've had series, they have new songwriter series, they have, you know, Midtown cabaret performers who come up 20 blocks to do shows or 10 blocks to do shows. Um, and then they have, like you said, the Diamond series with Kelly and Patty and God knows who else I can't even remember at this point that are just unreasonably expensive. And I don't care what perks you have with it. It is unreasonably expensive to ask somebody to pay $400 for meals and drinks and a show. Um, and expect that to be a major part of your programming. But, yeah. I mean, obviously some people can afford that. I am not one of those people. So I guess live your best life. But I'm, I'm really concerned how this is going to affect that programming, what that's going to mean for those emerging performers. And I mean, even, uh, the frequency of programming, really, if that end, ends up changing. Because, I mean, usually they have two or three shows per night there. I don't know if that affects anything. It's all really up in the air, and I'm very fascinated by this and very surprised by this. This was not even anywhere near on my radar. No, not, not at all. Not at all. So we'll have to keep an eye out for this. I don't know what this will mean for changes for just regular concert goers, if anything at all. So we'll have to keep an eye on this as this transition happens. All right, real quick, let's run through last week's Broadway grosses. Um, Keep in mind that this is coming off of the week with both the Easter and Passover holidays. So there might have been some more people in town traveling for spring breaks and long weekends. But there also could be people who were not going to shows because of those said holidays. Overall, the grosses were down 1%, which was just under $600,000. So not a ton, but $38,307,943. But attendance did increase by 1% to come in at 282,895 butts and seats. Overall, there was one extra show with the addition of prima, uh, addition of prima facie to the, to the main stem. And let's start with the show that we have to start with, and that is Phantom of the Opera. And I feel like I got this one right, even though I didn't get this one right. So overall, Phantom of the Opera did $3,739,934 over its eight performances. But you'll remember that the Friday performance was a charity performance. I am not sure, to be quite honest with you, how they count that in the grosses. Yeah, um, not sure people either. were paying extra. Do they do that? But then also the final performance was, uh, as noted in the grosses, primarily by invite and comped. So if you spread this total out of 
you know, essentially, you know, $3.7 million over seven performances and then average it out. If they had sold those tickets, it would have crossed $4 million, which is essentially what I said last yeah. week, Ashley, was if they wanted to break $4 million, they, they absolutely could. Yeah, same. And, Me personally and as well. I'm, yeah, I'm sticking with that, and I'm going to consider this a win, even if it was at 3.7 million. Hey, congratulations. Uh, You're the real winner here in this situation. I, I mean, duh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lion King came in second last week, but it did nine performances. It came in at $2.8 million. Wicked was in third at 2.25. Hamilton at $2 million. And Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber Fleet Street, was at $1.8 million, still with just seven performances mm-hmm. a week. The rest of the shows north of seven figures in descending order are, this one continues to astound me, Funny Girl, then followed by Aladdin, MJ, Cursed Child, Moulin Rouge, and Juliet, Six, Parade, The Book of Mormon, and New York, New York. Lots of shows in there that aren't normally, you know, breaking one million with a lot of consistency or even really clearing it yeah. by $100,000 or so with like Anne Juliet and Six. Great to see Parade in there. Definitely. Um, Beautiful Noise was right on the outside looking in. So uh, very good for that. Bridge and Peter Pan Goes Wrong. Yeah, very much Bridge and Tunnel. Peter Pan Goes Wrong was at $903,000 mm-hmm. on eight previews. Yeah, Harris. So th- it hasn't even opened. Yeah, the, the NPH of it all definitely working. Interestingly enough, Prima Facie, with just seven per- performances in its first week of previews, was at essentially $900,000. Nice. Which is really, really impressive People for love a Jody one-person Comer. show with very little names. Yeah, it really is, I think, on the strength of Jody Comer. Back at the other um, end of the scale, this is not right because the number that I'm looking at for the Thanksgiving play says that it grossed $167 last week. Mm. That's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know where that difference is in uh, the reporting. I would not be surprised if the Broadway League updated that, but currently that is what it says. That ain't right. Uh, <laughs> Pictures from Home was next from the bottom at 286,000. Fat Ham at 310,000. It, of course, just opened last week. So there was comps and stuff in there. Summer 1976, also seven previews um, coming in at 363,000. And then Kimberly Kimbo still hoping to ride a wave of a lot of nominations coming in at 455,000 overall. All right. Um, I don't want to talk anymore about those because. That's enough. Um, we're good with that. Uh, and these things will change a lot. <laughs> these things Always will change agree. a lot over the um, uh, over the next few weeks when yeah. the nominations come. A out. lot of things are opening as well that haven't opened yet that are part of that still in previews. Yes. But yeah, we got nominations in two weeks from today, maybe. Yes, it'll be two weeks from well, two weeks from yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, so Woo. on the, on um, the second of May. So exciting. All right, I've got a couple feel-good recommendations for you. The first one um, is because I'm always going to reference this, uh, but especially after I saw it a week ago from the time we're recording, the Aragon Tour cast of Six, which is currently performing at the Venetian uh, Resort in Las Vegas, which I saw on Tuesday last week, they performed on The Late Late Show with James Corden on Monday night. So we have that uh, video in the show notes. I was very excited to see them again, uh, especially because they announced, as you and Grace talked about last week, that two of the cast members would be leaving. So I was excited yeah. to be able to see um, at least one of them. One of the people who's leaving, I actually didn't get to see. There was an understudy on, which was still great. Uh, but Jasmine Forsberg, who plays Jane Seymour, is honestly a revelation. And if she does not end up in the Broadway company or something else very soon, I, I don't know if that's people why she's leaving, mistakes. but she is. Yeah, she is. Tremendous. My sister, who is not necessarily a theater person, but uh, 
she after we were done she said i think her song uh, heart of stone she said i think that might be the best performance of anything i've ever seen Ooh, in my life so wow put that on the so posters she, yeah exactly katie tamanini on the pool quotes yeah. for six tour <laughs> um so we have that but then also interestingly enough entertainment tonight has video which looks like it's a leak like it's was like some sort of paparazzi from outside the the the, the outdoor set in London of Ariana uh-huh. Grande singing uh from Wicked um singing goodness knows there was also another Instagram TikTok video or uh Twitter video of the same song different part but was from outside cuz they're shooting outside so people can hear it yeah. if they aren't on the studio lot um she sounds great um, you can't hear all of the instrumentation because it is still pretty far away. Sure. I, I, she sounds great. She looks great in the dress, as Grace mentioned. We t- talked about the first look I- images on Monday's show. Um, I think a lot of people were like, Ariana Grande for Glenda, really? But I think it's a good I choice. It sounds really yeah, good. Yeah, I think she's a good yeah, choice. I think, it, 100%. I think it works. And she'll get people in who aren't necessarily theater fans in. So why not? Yeah, 100%. So check all of that out in the show notes. All right, everybody, that's all that we have. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at No This Is Ashley. All right, everybody, have a wonderful hump day, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>